Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Last Sunday, I got into the edge of uh, teaching on the church and the fact that we are the temple of God. I remember a number of years ago, it was actually back in the mid-1990s, uh, I supposed. I suppose when I, when I first began to see the impact of this passage of Scripture and uh, just studying the Bible and, and meditating and letting the Holy Spirit speak to me, I saw uh, some, some very important truths about the church and God's plan for the church. And in 1994, in March of 1994, Pastor Angela wasn't with me on this trip. I went to Dallas, Texas, Plano, which is a, a suburb of Dallas. And uh, I was in one of Dad Hagen's Holy Ghost meetings. And while Dad Hagen was ministering one Sunday morning, or, or not Sunday morning, but a week morning, uh, he was down at, at close to the front, and I think I was on the second row, and while he was, he was ministering that morning, uh, he looked my way, and he, and he kind of did a double take, and on the inside of me, by the, by the word of knowledge, I knew he's going to call on me to preach tonight. I just knew that. And so I went home, or went back to the hotel, and I called Angela after lunch, you know, and I told her, I said, uh, Dad's going to call on me to minister tonight. She said, oh, he is not. <laughs> I said, yeah, he is. She said, he's not going to call on you. I said, I'm telling you, he is. He never had before. And she, she just laughed at me. Did you not laugh at me? She laughed at me. She said, you're crazy. He's not going to call on you. So, doubting Angela. And so I got into service that, what was that? Hallelujah. Huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, Dad Hagen got up and, and uh, he, he took the service and he, and he called on me. He said, I want Pastor Edwin Anderson to come up here and, and just preach. He said, just, you know, do whatever the Lord gives you to do. He said, you know, uh, preach, teach, pray for the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, whatever you want to do. You know, he just gave me the service. And so I taught on this because I had been feeding on it and uh, and there was, a, there was an aspect of what I taught that I had never really heard anybody uh, preach before exactly the way that, that I saw it. And yet something that I had heard Dad Hagen say a few years before, and, I, and, I've, and over the years I've tried to find that recording, and I don't know on what series it's on, but he made a statement about the church being the temple of God. Uh, and just, just one statement, and it really got me thinking, so I took that and kind of enlarged it, you know, and, and uh, just meditating on it, and the Spirit of God enlarged it on the inside of me. And so I know that night uh, when I, ta I taught on that for a, for a little while, and, and I remember afterwards I, that couple of points that I'm going to make in this series that uh, Rich King was the crusade director at the time, and he told me later, he said, when the service was over, we, we were in the back, you know, with, with, with Brother Hagen, and uh, 
He said, I'd never heard anybody teach what you taught tonight. Just ever say what you said tonight. And so he went to Brother Hagin. He said, Brother Hagin, what, what Pastor Anderson said, is that right? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm holding my breath. And, <laughs> and Brother Hagin said, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. What he said was right. Uh, and so there's, there's revelation here that we need to get a hold of concerning the temple of God. Over the, over the next few years, particularly on into the later 90s, I began to really sense that this message on the church as the temple of God was an especially important message for the end times, for the times in which we live. And that, you know, any of the, of the pastors, you know, here that, uh, you know, you get messages a lot of times, pastors get messages uh, and it's just a, it's what the Spirit of God gives for the service and for the church and for that day. And, and, uh, and it's basic. It's truth. It'll, it'll apply to anybody. I don't mean it, it won't. But it's not especially for anyone but that congregation. But occasionally you get a message that on the inside of you know, or at least I did on, in this particular instance, that this message is more than just for our church. This is, a, this is something that the body of Christ has to get a hold of. And I haven't sensed, you know, necessarily that, uh, that the church uh, has taken hold of this, but I believe the body of Christ will before Jesus returns. And it's, it's about the importance, like I said, of the church <coughs> as the temple of God. So we talked about, <coughs> we talked about this last week. <coughs> Now, when this happens, people start saying, oh, the devil's trying to stop him, you know. <laughs> Listen, the devil's not that powerful. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Uh, <clears throat> we talked about this last week that in the Old Testament, the temple of God, first of all, the tabernacle of God, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Lord had them, uh, to, had Moses to put together and instruct the people to erect this tabernacle. And he did it on a particular pattern that was shown him when he was in the, uh, up on the mountain, you know, during those 40 days. And uh, it was very specific, and we find out in the New Testament that it was the pattern of what he saw in heaven, the throne of God in heaven. And so he built that tabernacle, and when he did, the glory of the Lord that had been with them as they traveled, you know, you saw the fire by night and the cloud by day, you know, that would uh, uh, lead them and hover over them and protect them and be between them and the Philistines or the, for, or the Egyptians rather. Uh, that was the glory of God. Well, that glory moved into that tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord is the manifested presence of God. We know, like I said last week, that God is everywhere, but he's not manifested everywhere. His power isn't in manifest, manifestation. His presence isn't in manifestation everywhere. And so the glory of the Lord moved into that uh, tabernacle, and sometimes it would hover on top, on top of it or be right at the door of it. And... Uh, then later in, in Solomon's time, Solomon built a temple uh, based on the instructions of his father David. And when the children of Israel finished the complete and completed that temple, the glory of the Lord came in and filled the house of God. And so uh, if you wanted to get in, into touch with the presence of God, you really couldn't do it in the Old Testament unless you were the high priest. The high priest was the only one that could go into that holy of holies 
where God's manifested presence was. And he had to go in there under great precautions and, and so forth. Uh, and if you wanted to inquire of the Lord, you, you went to the priests or later you went to the prophets because God had anointed them and you would require of the Lord over, over matters, you know, of, of uh, direction in your life or for the nation. And uh, because the Holy Spirit did not live inside of people then. He lived in that, in that temp, temple and tabernacle in, in the beginning. But we find from the book of Acts chapter 7, we won't turn over there, where Stephen was preaching and he, and he talked about that. But then he said, but the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. We know in the New Testament that God has moved, his presence has moved to the inside of us. The Holy Spirit has come to indwell every believer, not every spirit-filled believer, but every Christian, every believer, everyone who is born again, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of that person. He dwells in every Christian. Now, there is a second <clears throat> additional work of the Spirit where, where believers can be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's just a greater measure of the Spirit. But every Christian, every believer, every born-again one has the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. And so uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures just to, uh, 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 to make this point and then move on a little bit further. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body... See, this is talking about your individual physical body, the, the one that people in church see when you come to church. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Does anybody know what that price was? The Lord Jesus and his, his suffering on the cross. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. And the reason our bodies are the temple of God is because the Holy Spirit dwells in our spirit and our spirit is inside our body. So that makes not only our spirit but our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, we are to, he said, then he said, you are not your own. We are bought at a price. There's this philosophy in the world today that says, well, it's my body and I can do anything I want to. That's not scriptural. That's not for Christians. That's not true. Your body as well as your spirit belongs to the Lord. Amen. Amen. He said, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which both are God's. How we live and what we do in the flesh, in our bodies, 
matters. Amen. Over in Romans chapter 12, it says, he said, uh, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's the next word? Holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, comma, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. That's not unreasonable. He said it is very reasonable. It is very right. So what you do with your body, uh, God ought to have a say in it. Amen. How you live your life. You need to live your life in a way that will glorify God. Amen. And so we know that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And glorifying, our, glorifying God in our body has a lot of different implications. This has a lot of different implications. It, it really applies to anything that has to do with our bodies. Amen. Sickness and disease does not glorify God in our bodies. Say, so, well, you know, I, I've got this cold. Ah, it's okay. It's just a little cold. Now, if it was tuberculosis, you jump on that and say, I'm not having that. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Well, you know, a cold is not the will of God either. Amen. Now, we're not, we're not being critical if somebody has a cold. I'm, I'm, what my point is, we need to glorify God with our bodies and not allow anything in our bodies, on our bodies, about our bodies that should not be there. Because God wants our bodies, he created our bodies the way he created them for his glory. When God created Adam and Eve, in, in, uh, when he reached down and picked up the, the ground, the clay, the, the, the soil, and blew into it, formed a, Adam's body, blew into it, Adam was created to give God glory, spirit, soul, and body. And so we need to be very, very careful that we insist on God's best in these temples of ours. Don't go with the world. Don't do what the world does. Don't act. We don't need to act like the world, look like the world, try to be fashioned like the world. Amen. Our bodies are holy. Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. Now, uh, we know that's true, but we also know from the Word of God that not only are our individual bodies the temple of God, but we know that the church is the temple of God. This passage in 1 Corinthians 6 is specifically, it's specifically talking about our physical bodies. If you go back to the third chapter, he is, because if you look at the context, he's not talking here about the physical body, he's talking about the church body. 
if you read the whole passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, Paul was talking about uh, carnality and behavior in the church. And he makes this comparison. He, he talks about because they were, the background here is there was division in the church because some people were saying, well, I'm a disciple of Paul. And others were saying, well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. And, and some were even saying, well, you can be a disciple of Paul and you can be for Apollos. <laughs> I'm a disciple of Christ. Real haughty. And, uh, and so he was talking about that. And he said in verse 5, who is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For, for we are God's, talking about he and, and Apollos and the other ministers. He said, we are God's fellow workers. He said, we plant, one plants, another waters. God gives the increase, so we are fellow workers with God. We, these traveling ministers he's referring to, himself included. We are God's fellow workers. You, who's he talking to? He's talking to the whole church at Corinth. He said, you are God's field. See, the, the idea there is of a cultivated or a planted field, like a, a garden or a, or a large field. And, and the ministers, he said, the ministers are like the farmers. He said, we go out and we plant and we water and we work the soil. And at doing that, we're, we're fellow workers with God because it's God who gives the increase. So we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field where the word is sown. In the middle of this verse, the translators didn't do a very good job here because they just kept it all in one verse. It, it, really, it really should start a new verse here. He said, you are God's field, but then he said, you are God's building. The whole imagery of the church, he's giving a different picture to illustrate the same truth. One, you are God's field and, and we plant and water and so forth and God causes increase in the field. But then he switched and said, you are also God's building. Another translation says, you are God's house. I think the older King James, did it say, what did it say? Building. Some translations, some translations I think say, you are God's tabernacle. Then he talks about the church as the building of God and the ministers as laborers building that building. He said, according to the grace of God which was given to me. See, now he's not talking about a farmer. He's talking about a builder. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. See, before when he was talking about the field, he said, I planted and another watered. But now he's talking about the building and he said, I laid the foundation as a master builder and another one builds on that foundation like Apollos and some of the others that followed him. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
How many of you can understand that gold, silver, and precious stones are compared to wood, hay, and straw? One are, uh, the one category is a category of precious material that will last, and the other is, is material that will not last. It's cheap. It won't, it won't do anything. He said ministers need to take heed how they build on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said you can either build with gold, silver, and precious stones or you can, you can build with trash. It matters how, what preachers preach. So much of the church world today get hay, wood, and straw. Because they just talk about silly things. They talk about self-help ideas. And they take a scripture to sort of anchor a, 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 a some other thought. And, and their whole message is about a thought. And they're using a scripture. If you look at the scripture, the scripture really isn't saying anything about that thought. It's just something that they use to sort of resonate off of or to spring off of. It's important that we get fed the word of God. That's why God, in, in my entire ministry over 39 years, has always been based on feed the church gold, silver, and precious stones. That's not always as, as exciting. You know, you can, get a, you can get a pile of straw and you can get a whole lot of action out of that. You can throw a match to that, man, you can have a big old fire and you got people running all around, but it just doesn't last very long. You can't build your life on that. Well, don't shout me down now. <laughs> Remember Dr. Dufresne used to do that? He'd go. <laughs> he said, uh, for each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work, each minister's work, of what sort it is. See, pressure, when trouble comes, that's when you find out what's, what you've been built on. If you've been built on uh, contemporary topics and the latest fashion of the day and light systems, and coffee bars, exotic coffee blends, all the kinds of stuff that go on with modern churches that they use to entice people. I'm going to tell you what, when trouble comes into your life, exotic coffee is no replacement for the anointing of God. Amen. 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 And that's what he's talking about here. He said the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire because I'm telling you, the fi this is talking about fire of opposition. The fire of opposition will come. He said, well, that's, Pastor, that's not very encouraging. We might as well be forewarned warned, because trouble is coming to every believer. Amen. The crisis of life come to all of us and they show us what we're made of. And, and in a church, it shows what foundation has been laid. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive, he, they's talking about the preacher, he will receive a, war, a reward. Of course, it's true as, a, as an individual. There's an application to you as an individual, but you understand the context to who he's talking about. He said, if anyone's work is burned, 
he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as so as through fire. Then he says in verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now, he's been talking about the building. He was first talking about the cultivated field. Then he changed the, the, uh, the imagery there. And he started talking about the, the building of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now, a lot of times people use this verse and, and they use it to apply to the physical body. And, and you can apply it there because we have 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of God? So it's, I understand that, that, that you can use either one, but technically, he's really not talking about the physical body here like he is in chapter 6. He's talking about the collective body, the body of the church, the church body. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God... God will destroy him. I tell you what, when people work to undermine the work of the church, their days are numbered. I said their days are numbered. You can mark it down when people, ungodly people, or even maybe somebody in the church, when people start working against the church and trying to undermine the work of God and try to destroy the, the, the church, you know what happens? Well, first of all, the church just explodes in revival. It never has worked. But those people are always judged. I said those people are always judged. God will not tolerate someone trying to, to defile, destroy, and, and otherwise work against the church. I remember as, a, as an early, as a young believer, after I'd got back to the fellowship with the Lord, somehow I got chosen to, to lead the sort of MC, the Wednesday night service. It was my job to... Uh, open the service and, uh, you know, uh, call it to, to order. And uh, then, the, you know, we had the praise and worship and then I would get up and I would receive the offering and make the announcements and, and uh, dismiss the, you know, we went at that, that point, everybody went to classes and so forth. And, and uh, this one particular service I was up and, and I was exhorting over the offering and, and this woman was behind me in, in the choir and she blurted out something about... Uh, the church was going under, you know, God's, you know, there's so much trouble and we don't know if we're going to survive. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm telling you, without thinking, the Holy Spirit just rose up on the inside of me and I turned around and just rebuked her. I'm just, I'm just a layman. And I said, no, the church isn't going under, the church is going over in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And she just kind of looked shell-shocked, you know. And, and the pastor came to me after church. He said, I sure am glad you did that. Because when she started talking, she just put a damper on the whole. She's just talking about how bad the things were and all the persecution against the church. And I just don't know if we're going to make it. And, and, uh, and the Holy Ghost just rose up on me. And without even thinking, I just around and just put her in her place, you know. And, uh, and that's really the pastor's job. You understand that? But he came to me later and he said, I thank you, thank you, thank you, brother, for doing that. But uh, the, church isn't, the church isn't going under. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going over. We're not getting weaker. We're getting strong. Now, now listen, now listen. There may be a, a large portion of the visible church that will go under, 
But I'm talking about the true church. God has in every time and age of man, God has always had a remnant. And there is a remnant church today. I'm not talking about any kind of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, being special in, in our own eyes or anything like that or elitism or sectarianism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying the true body of Christ, God is working in people who are hungry today and people in the church who aren't hungry run the risk of completely falling away. And that is happening in the world, in the church world today. It's happening. You can see it all around you. I'm not, I'm not talking about the people who are falling away. Listen, if you're not, if you're not established on gold, silver, silver, and precious stone, if you've been feeding on hay and straw and, 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 and junk, then you're in trouble when the time of, of testing comes. But when you've been fed the good word of God and you feed yourself on the good word of God, oh, glory to God. We're not going under. Hey, man, we're not going under. There are things that we need to do to follow up our declaration of faith. It's one thing to say we're not going under. It's another thing to take action to make sure we don't. I'll talk about that a little bit tonight maybe. As the church, there are some things we need to do. There's some praying we need to do. I'll just get into the edge of it now. We need, to, we need to be serious about prayer and taking our place of authority in this world because there are, there are forces threatening the body of Christ. They will not prevail because God will not allow it. But you and I have a part to play in standing against the host of darkness that are attempting to come against the church today. We have a role. We're not supposed to just be sitting around just saying, well, God's going to take care of it. He said, no, I've put, you, I've put the word of God in your mouth. I've given you authority. I've given you the name of Jesus. You need to rise up and do some things. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the church isn't going under. We are the temple of God. Let me get back to my message. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now, in the Old Testament, the word temple, I, I think I mentioned this last week, the word temple in the Old Testament was, was the word for a palatial home or palatial house. Uh, it wasn't the ordinary word for house, but it, was, it meant house, but it meant a big mansion, palatial home, like a king's house. That's what that, the Hebrew word that was translated temple uh, could simply be translated house. Like over in, in uh, uh, First Chronicles, it says that the house of the Lord, that the, that the glory of God filled the house of God. It's the same word that was alternatively translated temple of God. Same word, house, temple. Well, in the New Testament, the same thing is true. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? You are the house of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. He dwells in us collectively. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, he dwells in our bodies. But here he's talking about the church body. And he said, do you not know that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit dwells, that you, the church, there at Corinth? As a matter of fact, that's the way the Amplified translation reads. Let me, let me pull it up. 
The Amplified Translation says, do you not discern and understand? Well, if he asked that question, there must have been some people there that didn't discern and understand. He said, do you not know? Well, you don't ask that question usually until, unless you, it's kind of obvious that people don't know. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church? The Amplified, of course, this is not a literal translation. It's an Amplified translation. So he adds the concept from the sixth chapter and also individually. But the, the message here is to the, to the local church. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, well, the whole church here in High Springs and the whole church right here in Impact, we are a temple of God. Every local church. And... We are God's temple and his sanctuary and God's spirit has his dwelling, his permanent dwelling in us. When we have, when, that's why it's so important to obey the Lord as it pertains to attending a local church. Not just attending, but being a part of a local church. Listen, there is no place in the New Testament there is no provision in the New Testament for anyone living perpetually outside of a local church. There's no provision for it. it doesn't, that, that concept does not exist in the New Testament. Now, I know that, that when you move from one place to another, you might not know exactly which church you're going to go to and you, you visit around and let the Lord lead you. I understand that. But as people who, per, who, who uh, perpetually Week in, week out, year in, year out. Well, I'm not, I don't belong to a church. That's unscriptural. Well, the rest of you can agree or not. That's unscriptural. It is unscriptural. There is no provision in the New Testament for people living, for Christians living perpetually outside the local church. The local church is God's provision for the care of the saints. God ordained, Jesus instituted the, the local church. It is God's plan. It's how, like, again, it's how God cares for the sheep. He puts them in a local church with a pastor and with other believers to surround them and help them and that we all grow together and follow an agenda and follow a vision from heaven. That's, that's the plan of God. Well, praise the Lord. He said, you are God's, you are God's uh, sanctuary and God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you. Well, let's look at a couple more scriptures. Go with me to 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3rd chapter. Verse 14 and 15. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. These things I write to you Though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. You could say the temple of God. So that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
He's told Timothy, a young minister, I'm writing these things to you so that you as a minister will know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. He's not talking about a brick and mortar building. He said that the house of God is the church of the living God. And he went on to say that it's the pillar and ground, like the, the, uh, the margin says, the foundation of the truth. The local church, there's two aspects to the church. One is the universal church and the other is the local church. And this verse can apply to either one of them. The, the, the body of Christ is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's the foundation for the truth in the world. You, you understand Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but it's his church. It's, it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head and we're the body. And so the universal church worldwide made up of all believers everywhere, that's the temple of God and that's the pillar and ground of the truth. But have you ever noticed that things that are in the spirit there's a natural component there's a, or there's a visible component to those things. The local church is also the temple of God and also the foundation, pillar and foundation of the truth. The, local, the body of Christ will never be any stronger universally than its local churches. I mean, the universe, you, you, you contact the universal church usually anywhere you go out in public. You're riding down the road. You're, you're, there are people in automobiles around you. They're part of the universal church. Has it, does it have an impact on you? No. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just making a point. You go to the supermarket. You might be standing next to a Christian. You don't even know it. They're part of the church. The universal church, as important as it is, not minimizing that, uh, but the emphasis, I don't have time, time to expound on this, but I have in times past. There's a whole lot more in the New Testament to say about the local church and the universal church. In fact, the local church is mentioned more often by a ratio of four to one to the universal church. But the universal church is important, but the universal church has never done anything for God. Universal church has never put on a crusade. Universal church doesn't hold services. Universal church is, is important to God because we're all members of one another and it's good to have fellowship with other believers, other Christians and recognize they're in the body of Christ. But when it comes down to the church having an impact in the world, it's always the visible church that gets the job done. Isn't that right? And it's always headed up by local churches. Oh yeah, but I, I belong to this uh, uh, organization. It's a parachurch organization. We do a lot of good. Yeah, but where does the money come from? And where, does, where do the people come from? And who's, who's underwriting it? The local church. Amen. He says here that the, that the church, and it would be true of the local church as well as the universal church, is the pillar of, and ground, the foundation for the truth. God put his truth, his word in the church. You won't find the truth on CNN. You might or might, you might or might not find facts on CNN, but you won't find the truth on CNN or Fox News or anywhere else. You're not gonna find the truth is in the word of God and it's in the church. 
Well, praise the Lord. Let's go on over to another one. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 3, I think. Let's turn over there and see. Yeah, Hebrews 3. Verse 4 says, Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Verse number 6, Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. Glory to God. We are the house of God. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. It matters how you, how you last and how you end. It's not just about all about how you start. It's how you finish. Amen. Amen. It's, it's a mistake, if I can take a side journey here for just a second, I'm going to. It, it, it's, a, it's a mistake to just emphasize to someone who is a sinner, uh, you know, just pray the sinner's prayer for me with me and believe on the Lord Jesus. Bless God, you're saved. Hallelujah. See you later. That, is, that, that only starts their life in Christ. They will likely wither and die if you don't get them in a church. It matters how we finish. If you remain firm and hold fast, he said to the end. But here's the thing I wanted you to see. Whose house we are. Jesus, Moses was faithful over his house. But Jesus, but he did it as a servant. But Jesus as a son over his own house. Whose house we are. We are the house of God. I'm talking collectively as a local church. We are the building of God. We are the house of God. And God has plans for what goes on in his house. That's why I say every time we assemble together, we come by the bidding of the Lord. We don't just do it on our own. And God has an intent. He has a purpose. He has a plan when we come together because we are his house. And, and like the Amplified Bible says his permanent dwelling, the permanent dwelling of his spirit. Oh, glory to God, to be in us. He wants to, he wants to move in us. He, he, he's, not just a, he's not just a static figurehead. You know, you go to a lot of churches and the only thing, the only, uh, the only reference to the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is, in, is in a little something they say at the end of the service. A little doxology, you know. That's the only time, the, that's the only place the Holy Spirit, well, he's not moving there. I'm not being critical of anybody in particular. You understand I'm not picking on anybody. But I'm saying the Holy Spirit lives in the body and he wants to just, he wants to be at home in us and do what he wants to do in the body. But we have to entertain him. We have to entertain him. Glory to God. If, if you want the Holy Spirit's presence, then you have to honor his presence. You have to want his presence. You have to, you have to not just, it, it goes beyond just being open. You have to be hungry for his presence. 
Glory to God. God wants to do things among us. Amen. And that's what he is attempting to do in our church right now. He, he said, I want to take you to a higher place. Well, who's going to do that? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, God, the, the Father, the Son, working through the Holy Spirit. He wants to, to move us up higher. He wants us to come to a place as a local church where we are more yielded and more uh, uh, energized. It, it's not really the right word. We're, we're more... Uh, you could say animated by the Spirit than anything else. Everything that goes on in church ought to be by the Holy Ghost. I mean, we have certain things that we need to do, but everything we do ought to be by the Spirit. Even, even the things that seem to be natural even the announcements. We, we, make an, we make announcements because they're important to the body. And that's why in our church, we've never been one to make announcements about all kinds of foolishness. We've had over the years, well, could you announce, you know, to the church that, you know, that uh, uh, my sister's getting married next week and just, no, we really couldn't. If you want people to know, let them know. Now, what I'm saying is the church ought to be about the church and, and what God's doing in the church. You'll notice that we don't have, have boy, I'm straying this morning. We don't have billboard, not billboards, but, but, but uh, what do you call them? Um, uh, message boards, you know, out on the, you know, just uh, about every kind of crazy thing going on in everybody's lives. No, it, it, it's about the church. What we're doing here, there's, there's a culture here. It's about what God wants to do and he wants, he wants to be involved in everything that goes on when we get together. Glory to God. And, and that's, why, that's why I'm trying to create a greater awareness in us that when we gather together by the bidding of the Lord, which is every time, when we gather together that we start training ourselves, practicing to put our attention on the Lord when we come together. And it's fine to talk about things before service. I'm not trying to hinder. I do that too. And after church, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to create some kind of a rigid, you know, law. But I'm just saying there ought to be an, a, a first and foremost, when we come together, we ought to have a, a mind for the Lord. We ought to have our, our hearts prepped and before we get here and hungry and expecting. And I tell you what, when we have that kind of environment where we are hungry and expect, whoo, glory to God, there is no telling what God can do, even with this guy right here. God can do the most amazing things in the world right here through this guy by the power of the Holy Ghost and all of the rest of us the same way. God can use anybody. And that, that's, the, that's the, the wonder of the New Testament church. And, uh, and, and that's the wonder, I should say, of a truly Holy Spirit-filled church. 
When Azusa, all of us know about Azusa, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, you know, in the early part of the, of the 20th century. I know I'm, I'm way over. I'm going to get real finished. I'll, I'll finish quick, uh, maybe. <laughs> the thing that was so neat about the first, uh, uh, that first uh, place of outpouring was that God was just using anybody and everybody. People in the pew, there was, there was one established leader or a couple, and, and Brother Seymour, I think, did you point this out not long ago that he would sit with a box on his head? Some, did you say, yeah. Brother Seymour, would, would, he, was, he was the undisputed leader of this movement, and he would come to church and put a box on his head the entire time. And these services would go all day and all night. He'd just be there all day and all night. And he would sit there when he wasn't actually speaking. He would just sit there with a box on his head. Think, well, how weird is that? He was, he was a, a, a black man and it was a multiracial church and it, it attracted all of the, attracted, attracted the attention and the condemnation of the, of the community at large. All of, these, all of these white people and black people and Indians and all these people were, were fellowshipping together. The churches were all segregated. But when the Holy Ghost began to move, all that went out the window. And everybody came together. It didn't matter if you were written. And I'm telling you what, Azusa, you would have in one seat, because the place was packed, you'd have the richest man in the community and right next to him, you'd have the poorest man in the community. And nobody cared and God was using everybody and, and Seymour had a box on his head. As an act, he just did that as an act of humility. He didn't want to be seen. He wanted the spirit of God to be in charge. Now, that's a little weird, but, but God honored it. God honored it. That revival went on for what? Three years? Every day for three years. And, and from that, the message and the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit spread all over the world in a very short period of time, went to all the nations. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. God's taken us some places. I'm just trying to get us prepared and prepped and, and stirred up. Glory to God. We are God's temple. We are a holy temple of God. We are God's sanctuary. And he wants to dwell in us. Be at home in us. Hallelujah. And we want him to. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just stand up and give him thanks. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Father, we thank you for these great truths. We thank you, Father. Oh, glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We're thankful, Father. We're thankful, we're thankful, we're thankful. Father, that you would choose to, to dwell among us, other churches, of course, that you would choose to dwell among us, to fill us with your Spirit, and that you would choose to manifest yourself, your holy presence in and among us, Hallelujah. Father, we 
we determine in our hearts to give reverence to the fact, to the reality that we are the temple of God. And the temple of God is holy. And it matters what our attitudes are. It matters what our attitudes toward one another are. It matters what our attitude is toward our times together, taking them seriously, being reverent, not stiff and dry and rigid and religious, but taking these wonderful, exhilarating, thrilling things that we are able to rejoice in, taking them seriously. Father, we want your will to be done. Holy Spirit, have your will at Impact Family Church. Have your will, have your way, Lord. Do what you want to do in this church, we pray. Father, that human assignments, natural agendas that, that conflict, it's okay if they're in harmony with, but natural agenda that conflicts with what you want to do, Father. Pray, Lord, that you expose these things to us in our hearts so that we can step over those things and remove them and get them out of the way so that you can move without restriction, without any kind of, of restriction or hindrance in our midst, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. Now, tonight, Wednesday night, next week, every time we assemble together. Father, help us, help us. We all. Father, we all, all of us, me included, we all need help in reminding ourselves and, and disciplining ourselves to be mindful of your presence every day of our lives because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your spirit dwells in us on Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays too, Lord, individually. And that, Father, we can present our bodies as living sacrifices to you, wholly acceptable to you, Lord. Glory to God. And we can walk in sweet communion with you all week long, and then when we come together as the larger body of Christ, this local body, we come together, there will be this compounding effect of the Holy Spirit dwelling among us collectively in that corporate, collective anointing of the Spirit of God. Father King, become greater and greater and greater and greater in us so that we can see the things and hear the things and have the things that you've ordained for us where we can go where you're taking us so that 
we are completely yielded to you in every, every, every area of our life. We learn it when we come together. Learn how to yield and how to listen and how to flow with the Spirit so that when we go out, we're better at it in our everyday lives. This world, Father, we know this world desperately needs truly Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled Christians on every hand. It's not enough for Christians just to go about their lives and not having an influence or little influence. This world needs the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be on fire. Spirit-led every day, Spirit-controlled every day, and Spirit-empowered every day. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for helping us break out of the molds, break away from our traditions, free ourselves from our habits, things that, that keep us locked in inaction. Again, Father, may your Spirit, Holy Spirit, have his way. Holy Ghost, we invite you to have your way in us. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.